Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. It's been a very productive few months in the Gorham's Cave complex. And today we've had initial news of what's been dug up. Our reporter Ian Triai Clarence has the details. It's also been a busy summer for live music in Gibraltar, but noise complaints have grabbed the headlines after several events were shut down, including one by Hot Cocoa. We spoke to Dale Ballestero and Kenneth Cruz. But first, are you still in need of school uniforms for the new term? Or maybe you've got last year's school uniforms that are still in a good state and could be donated to a family in need. Daphne McGrail and her daughter Kelly are coordinating an effort on behalf of the charity Generous Hearts to try to give existing school uniforms and school shoes and stationery a new home. First of all, thanks for having us again, uh, Jonathan, and giving us the chance to, you know, uh, get this word out to the community. And yes, um, we, you know, throughout the year, we get a lot of school uniforms. We don't really know what to do with them, although we do hand out some to some people, you know, that know us that we, we deal with this. But this year, it was, in fact, it was Rosanna Olivares' idea who said, let's do something with this, uh, these uniforms and let's just put out at a stall and, you know, so people can come and collect what we have and also give a chance to people who want to donate bring in you know uh, uh, school uniforms as well and we're not just talking about uh, school uniforms we would like people to donate uh, haversacks and you know the lunch boxes uh, pencils uh, rubbers sharpeners you know colored uh, pencils you know all the stuff that the uh, the but kids need when they when they they start school yeah and and i mean we're talking about uniforms which school children can grow out of very quickly because children grow very quickly but but also it has been a difficult few years with the uh, cost of living crisis and and families who are finding it uh, difficult to to make ends meet uh, in particular could benefit from uh, from having uniforms uh, that are in a, in a good state and, and, and no longer needed by, by the person who bought them. Definitely. What happens is that we're talking about a lot of money when that kid starts school or, you know, is moving on to another school. We're talking about a lot of money. I mean, I've sort of done a bit of a research, you know, and if you add up, shoes, uh, socks and um, uh, the skirt, the blouse, the jumper, the PE kit, you know, the shorts, uh, the black shoes, the trainers. We're talking roughly about like about 160 pounds. Uh, yeah, and that's so. like like for a child. So if you have two children, that's 320. But then you don't buy them one shirt, you buy them two. That's what I was going to say. I mean, they, so, they, yeah. The, you know, if if they've got um, PE on two consecutive days, that's it. That's or, or, or if they just get their school uniform dirty one day, that's it. You, you can't necessarily clean it and have no, it ready no. for the next. So you, you need two, and then price just continues. Well, to that's climb. it. I mean, roughly, I've managed to. It's come out to about 160, but like I say, it's just one, one, one of each. But like we've just said, you know, maybe you need two skirts or two PE kits, and you know it just goes sky high the uh, the yeah. amount of money that parents have to 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 spend uh, for a child for yeah. a child for only. a child so yeah, if yeah. you have like two three or four children and we know families you know that have I, I mean we deal with a family that have like five 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 children i mean that mother i mean and it's not only because we spe- we 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 help uh, families in need it's 
everybody in general, you know, that's having to... But I think that you said this last time, that things anyway have value, and we, we need to place value on, on uniforms which um, may not fit the child anymore, but are still... When you look at them, the the fabric is fine. You know, it's, it, it could very easily be used by somebody else. So why shouldn't we try and That's connect that school uniform with a child that, that yeah, it fits? Yeah, 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 like, you're right. I did say it last time when I did come. It's not only plastic that we should recycle. It's everything in general, you know, and especially... You know what we're talking about today, the school uniforms, school uniform, my baby, maybe that you, you the last year of school and that year you're moving on to another school. So you're not using it. So all these uniforms um, in good condition can be handed over to us tonight at uh, at eight and we'll be at Morrison's. Also, I would also like to thank Liz Regis from Morrison's is always very, very helpful when we need Morrison's uh, uh, to work at. And like I said, we'll be there uh, tonight to to give out. No money is going to be involved. So all these are free secondhand uniforms and we'll be there also to receive uh, donations of anybody so that so, has... So if somebody has last oh, year's uniform... Definitely. We could get them to you, ideally, yeah. just before 8 o'clock so that as soon as you start, you're, you're ready That's to go. It. It's going to be like an exchange. So Sorry, Kelly. Yeah, tell us, an exchange. It's going to be like an exchange. So you can either bring um, uniforms that you no longer need or um, you can come and, and pick up a uniform that that your child might need for starting now in next week. And I'm sure you, you've got two children yourself, uh, Kelly. Your WhatsApp groups in, in recent days must have been starting to, to pick up the, the sort of preschool conversations, not like, like, like mine are, that, uh, oh, you know, uh, school shoes, uh, uniforms, where's a good place for this? And, and everybody's thinking about it. So, so it, it's, you, you're hopefully just in time not to, to get people before the school term. Yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah, we're, we're aware that school starts either tomorrow or next week. Uh, but I think it was a kind of a last minute thing that, well, what can we do with all these uniforms? Um, you'd, usually we go handing them out throughout the year, but we thought we've got so many. Let's do a, a kind of a big event where we can have an exchange. Uh, we've had a lot of feedback on, on Facebook uh, of people who actually want to bring in uniforms as well, which is great because we can help um, more people. And that's something that, that you manage for, for the charity. No, Kelly, you're, you're sort of looking after the social media side of things? That's right. So I, I deal with the technology side, and that's how I, I mainly help out the charity. And I do all the advertising, all the posters. Um, I help out with the emails, so all it's of that. Important work, no, <laughs> Daphne, oh nowadays, God, to get the it, message it out. Is, it, is, it is a lot of uh, hard work. I mean... Uh, well, as I've said before, charity is a, it's a lot of hard work and having Kelly doing, Kelly doing all this, you know, does uh, help us a lot. But of course, uh, you only see my face when, when I come to GBC Radio, but like Kelly, there's Rosanna, there's Christine, there's Elsie, there's Evie, you know, there's Sarah, there's, there's, there's um, Ariane, there's Kelly, Miriam. There's so many people that, uh, that are behind me, you know, um, putting all this out. Excellent. So she, she is a she is a driving force, and then we have this big group of of help, um, volunteers that help her with all her ideas. So she'll come up <laughs> and she'll say, "We're going to do a an event, and we're going to give out uniforms, and we'll, we all support <laughs> and we help her out." 
Teamwork yeah. makes a dream work. It does, exactly. yes, definitely. <laughs> Excellent. Mm -hmm. So so that's happening at 8pm at Morrison's. Do you know more or less how long yeah. you'll be there till? Uh, we'll be like there like uh, in about a, uh, like an hour and a half, something like that. We're going to try and be a little bit earlier, you know, for those who can't make it at 8. So let's say like 7.30, you know. Um, and it'll be the side of, as you go into, Mor as you drive into Morrison's on the right side. Uh, where, Near the uh, petrol station. Yeah, like opposite the petrol station. So people know, you know, where, we, where we're going to be. Excellent. Yeah. So bring along any uh, second hand in good uh, Nick um, uniforms, like I said, and, you know, uh, pencils, all that stuff, you know, that, uh, that your kid needs uh, for school. Bring it along. I'm sure there's loads of families that uh, could do with it. Yeah. And like I say, we'll be recycling all these, uh, these uniforms that people have in bags and they move from, from room to room saying, what shall I do with this? You know, who do I give it to? Well, now's the chance to, to, to come in this evening, bring your, your bags with all your, your uniforms, unwanted uniform that your kids don't need anymore. Bring them along. We're going to be there and we'll welcome you with open Excellent. hands. So that's 7.30 until 9.30 in the Morrison's car park close to the uh, Morrison's pet petrol station. That's correct, Jonathan. Excellent. Daphne, uh, before we let you go, if uh, anybody was at the fair in recent days, they might have seen you helping out with Father <laughs> Charlie's <laughs> food stall, no? Yeah, how, how did yeah. that go? It went pretty well. It was, uh, again, very a lot of hard work, you know, from early from seven till about like two in the morning and you're on all the time, you know, on serving. Feet, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. On the, and in the, at, at the beginning when you go at seven, the sun is hitting you, you know, and it was, but it was good. And um, well, Father Charlie was, pardon? Good oh, yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And lots of people came and, you know, uh, to the, to the stall as well. And if I could also, um, Jonathan, mention that uh, we have a car boot sale on Sunday. Yeah, so Where's it's at happening? the West One Pay and Display car park and we're going to be there opening for the public from 9 to 2. So that's just so, opposite the Children's Health Centre, no? Correct, the, the yeah. yeah. Clubs. So as many people come, again, we are recycling a bit of everything there. So please come and support Generous Hearts Charity so we can, you know, help us, so we can help them. Excellent. And if anybody would like to find out more about the charity Generous Hearts, you're on Facebook. That's the main right. place that you communicate, no? That's correct. So Facebook Generous Hearts um, Charity 332. Um, Excellent. And they can find us on there, and that's where all our advertising happens, where all our posters, any events are announced on there. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Following the latest dig site in the Gorham's Cave complex, it's proved to be the most fruitful in years. So what hidden secrets have been found about Gibraltar's ancient past? Ian Triai clarence is here. You're following the story, Ian. An exciting announcement by all accounts. Yeah, um, well, I was there myself last year. Um, I was at the Vanguard uh, Cave, which is part of the uh, wider complex. Interestingly enough, as Clive, Professor Clive Innocent pointed out to me, the first site that's actually named for Neanderthal, because what's happened is that all the previous sites have been named, you know, Vanguard Cave, Gorham's Cave, and so on, and then bones have been found or have been proven to be uh, Neanderthals. This is the first time that we've had, we've found a place, and we said, okay, Neanderthal's Grotto. And the Neanderthal is named after what, like a, a valley in Germany or something, because that's where they found the first um, skull. Well, no, no. Well, <laughs> officially. That's they identified, yeah, identified the first skull, the first and then Gibraltar said, oh, we've got one of those. And, and we had it first. We had the first one, yeah. Blessing in disguise, because otherwise, you know, like, you know when you say in a derogatory way, oh, that guy's a Neanderthal, <laughs> they would have been saying, oh, that guy's a Gibraltarian. <laughs> could have been, could have been, exactly. 
who knows what name would have had but so, so uh, what what have they dug up well lots and lots and lots uh Many excited Finlaysons today at the, uh, the Gibraltar <laughs> Museum. It was Professor Clive, his wife Geraldine, and son Stuart. And yeah, I mean, the, the excitement was palpable when, when you're talking to them. Uh, this, as, as, as mentioned, one of the most fruitful uh, dig sites in years. And we're talking hundreds of bits and pieces of mollusks and of uh, reindeer antler and of intact birds. And it, it's D- some, dating back how far? Well, they haven't established this yet because the process takes a long time. But the, the oldest confirmed. Uh, layer of, of of dig has has told us that it's at least 120 127,000 years old. Whoa! This has been found. I think it was eight or nine meters below that. So what you think? A lot older than 127,000 years. Perhaps there P- possibly you know, to be confirmed. There, there. We're waiting. We're waiting. It's been, the, the, uh, there is a process. Of course, samples have been sent out to uh, labs around Europe, and it's going to take I think seven or eight months until it's confirmed. But p- possibly this will this will widen the the time in which we know that Neanderthals lived here. We know they were here later than anywhere else in Europe, about thirty thousand years ago, and they might have been here for more than a hundred thousand years. That's amazing. What a story. Uh, and uh, so, so this is something that they've been working on for months, but today they were able to sort of share it publicly for the first time. Yeah, because just, it's just meticulous, tedious work a lot of the time. You know, we're, we're talking about, well, literally in the lab, they were, they were picking away at bones with toothpicks, just trying to get, you know, grains of sand. A tiny bit, yeah. Yeah, we have the, the analysts are looking at what looked to, to, to me like sort of coarse sand. And no, it's you know this is the chip of a of a molar from from some bat, and this this is a piece of a dormouse's you know left paw, like literally <laughs> to that level. So it takes a long, long time to 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 make them ready for presentation, to curate the entire thing, and to to lay it out in the manner that they have. And this is a fairly big team that's working on it. We had a report on GBC Television last week, yeah. which sort of gave us some insight into you know the fact that there are quite a number of people uh, at the Gorham's Cave Complex and have been quite a number of people working for the past few months. Yeah, we've got uh, students from Leiden with which with whom we have a, a sort of a partnership, and from Liverpool, John Moores. Obviously, you can't get many people in the site at once. It's small. That, that, that's another thing that they pointed out. You know, this this area in which they've uncovered so much is, is something like, for those viewers, I can see as the length of this table. We're talking about a meter squared or, less, or something like that. It's a tiny little area. Where, so they think that there's there's a lot of intentionality with which these items have been put here. These artifacts, these bits of limpet, these antlers. Again, can't confirm anything yet, but we think these might have been sort of trophies or symbolic. Some something more than just the remains of food that they'd eaten. Amazing. Okay, so so they're piecing it together. They're, they're looking at, at at sort of what's what has been buried for potentially a hundred thousand years or more. Well, at very well, least, at, at, at very, very least, least one hundred twenty-seven thousand years. years. Yeah. So wow, uh, and and they're sort of trying to see what it tells us about Neanderthals who were living in Gibraltar in a very different Gibraltar uh, all that time ago. Uh, and it's uh, it's pretty amazing work. I saw also a, a piece um, I think that was recorded last year. Um, Birds of Freedom, is it? Uh, Wings of Freedom, uh, a program that GBC Daniel Bujeja um, uh, filmed oh, yeah. for GBC last year yeah, with yeah. with the Finlaysons, and they were talking about uh, the Gorham's Cave Complex. So this was a year ago, but it gives you a little bit of an insight into. As you say, the painstaking nature of the work that they have to do so um, uh, sort of methodically and, and systematically, and then also uh, there's an experimental side to see well well if 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 they were to have removed feathers from a bird using exactly. these tools, yeah. 
what what would the marks on the bones have been like and and that you know a lot I, of I get theories and see that's how it works there's sort of speculation as to how they, this might have worked and then there's further evidence and further evidence until there's sort of a threshold beyond which it's like okay we can now establish now that these we can agree works with this is what creatures. we think these has happened did this. exactly yeah. It's amazing. Um, okay, so that's a, a story that you're working on today and you're looking to, to sort of produce a, a video report for tonight on it? Yeah, and there's a lot, I think, that for the general public. Because sometimes when, when archaeologists get excited, it doesn't seem like much to, to the layperson that doesn't really understand it. But this, you know, you can see the bones, you can see the antler, you can see the full skeleton. So, very interesting. Ah, so, so it's interesting to, to look at as well. Yeah. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. It's been a, a busy summer for live music uh, in Gibraltar, but um, noise complaints have also featured. We've seen several events shut down, including one at Camp Pay organised by Hot Coco, who specialise in techno music events, and uh, Hot Coco's Dale Ballestero and Kenneth Cruz are in the studio with me now, so we'll get to that event in just a moment, but uh, let me just first say good afternoon to Dale and Kenneth, and maybe just ask us, uh, ask if you can introduce us, for those who are not familiar with Hot Coco, uh, tell us a little bit about um, you guys and, and, and what you like and, and what you've been doing. Hi. Um, okay, so basically, I mean, we started off ba on the on the basis that we just we wanted to throw a party for a national day because there was nothing really uh, going on on that year, and then that sort of that went well, and then we decided just to carry on and take things further, and here we are, uh, four four years later, we're, we're still throwing parties and having a good time. So, so mainly throwing parties that you want to enjoy yourselves, but it's, then... It's a, bit, it's a little bit of that, but it's also um, one thing that we are passionate about is giving, like, local, uh, both local and sort of international outcoming and sort of more established acts uh, sort of an opportunity to showcase what they can do and, and obviously then just show the sort of the wider audience. Sure. So, so you've had um, you, you you give a platform to uh, young local DJs, but also uh, you you brought over some international acts as well. Yeah, excellent. And um, and how would you describe um, you know for people like myself who are no longer out uh, on a Friday and Saturday night because um, we, we've done that and, uh, and now we're a bit older? Uh, tell us how would you describe Gibraltar's nightlife at the moment, and 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 what role does electronic music and and techno play in that? Thing it's a uh, well. I mean, I don't think just electronic and techno. It's just music as a whole. I mean, there's um, the nightlife scene. You can have all sorts of um, electronic music in a sense, where you've got minimal, you've got um, techno. Um, there's also like uh, Afro tech, which I personally uh, like a lot. But there's a lot of genre in the sense of electronic music. Um, but the nightlife as a whole, um, there's not many events, so to speak, where um, people are allowed to... Um, Party uh, until late. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> so to speak, yeah. I think there, well, there, there are opportunities and there are, there are events, there are big events and good events, um, but sort of one of the, sort of what one of our uh, premises and what, what we like to do is um, like I mentioned before, give the sort of the local acts uh, a sh uh, opportunity, and with the bigger acts, with the bigger events, sorry, um, that can't always happen. So um, for for the local scene, for for our nightlife, um, these smaller acts that go on, they 
they we need that for for everyone really the and, frequency, and, and, sorry, sorry, the frequency of um like the, there's more smaller events throughout the year obviously cost wise it's it's a lot more expensive to do these big events with these big acts so um we do these small events uh, to um more often the same as there there are more other um event organizers in jib that does the same so um we and others give them uh, the 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 platform to to do it regularly so when well. you say smaller events uh dale what what sort of numbers are you catering for 150 to maybe 250 more or less i mean then you've got obviously the stadium that can hold 1000 or so or in the europa point that can hold that same amount so there are more um events of the smaller scale throughout the year so that's where the um, the local djs can you know um try new music see how the crowd react to it and just grow as a dj and a performer altogether and it's, it's a it's a massive um industry worldwide now isn't it i mean and 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 there are sort of um aspiring djs in gibraltar who would love to be able to take what they do and and do it internationally no yeah i mean it's not i mean it's not just internationally i think even in gibraltar um, certainly from when well from when we started uh, going out and um maybe there was just a few sort of these events and then when we started doing our own thing it grew a little bit but certainly uh, since after covid and everything sort of going started going back to normal it's there's certainly been a, a massive growth in in the local we, we've like local. bounced back from the we, pandemic shutdown I think we've, with with we've, like we've bounced Ghana, back no? and we've come we've gone even further than that yeah i think yeah yeah people really want to just have a good time when they can no? um okay and and uh, so 150 to 200 most of the smaller events and 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 uh, catering for like uh anything for people who are aged 16 18 through to no it's 30 well, it's, it's definitely it's 18 18, 18, plus, 18 plus. The, yeah. the, the sort of the demograph really it's uh, within the 20s some in the 30s but not we, we you wouldn't really get less than 20 most people are in the under, 20s under, under, at, under your the events, 20s, no? yeah. at the same time i do believe that the the ages below 18 they need uh, representation as well so you know i think there's an event frequencies I think I've said, said the name right. They're doing, they're catering an event for uh, the younger generation in boys, I think, on National Day, which is also something good and something that needs to happen more of. And I think that uh, there was an event for GCSE students um, last week, which I think also got stopped early. Um, I, I don't have the details on that, but I was told just before I came in that, um, that it happened uh, uh, sort of again last week for, for teenagers. So let, let's go to your event then, which, uh, which was... Um, uh, in Campe, uh, yeah. a few weeks yeah. back, uh, talk talk us through it. What what happened? Well, um, we had uh, an event. We brought um, two DJs um, over from the UK, um, and the party was uh, shut down at eleven o'clock due to um, licensing reasons. But you know. Um, we don't really want to blame fault to anyone uh, because we could have done our, our background check. We could have like been more persistent and wanted to see, you know, if, uh, if everything was in order. So at the same time, you know, we put our hands up and it's a lesson learned. 
at the end of the day. Right. Um, I mean, if you're putting on events, uh, you, you, you you need to sort of jump through a few hoops yep. with the authorities and and yeah. and get um and, and get a proper entertainment license. And 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 you're saying that maybe you, you, part of the the blame lies lies with you guys. Yeah, I think so. Both. It's, it's a yeah. sort of it's a every every all parties there take a blame. It's on our side. Um, we've worked with the venue before, and we've had no issues during the summer. There's been other events, and nothing's nothing's happened. Um, so, I mean, you don't, you're not going to go and uh, fix what's what ain't broke. So, um, but equally, just as a due diligence, we need to we need to do those checks, and we need to be more persistent in making sure that everything is in order before we host anything yeah but i mean learning uh, making mistakes is is part of how you how you learn and and grow no? and and Definitely, you yeah, guys yeah. Are, are trying things out and 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 i think that's commendable uh, and you it also takes guts to to come on and say we could have done things better um so good 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 for you um what what sort of feedback did you or what what sort of message did did the police bring uh, that evening when when they asked you to to switch off well, um, message-wise, it's I was ju- just because um, the, it was shut down because of the license. That's it. They were doing their job, you know. Um, obviously, it was frustrating uh, for us, for everyone that attended that night. But, you know, it's, it's what it is. It's the law. It's the, doing the, their job. And we have to take it on the chin, you know. And it's it's not a it's not a one off though. No, I mean you're talking quite sort of um, maturely, I suppose, about uh, about your own um, event being being stopped. But uh, it's not a one off. That it does happen to other yeah. um, events as well. And uh, I've got a few comments to to read from uh, from our coverage of, of the story. Um, and it, and it go they they go both ways, I think. And and we all live in Gibraltar, so so y- you might experience it as an event goer. In your case, as an event organizer. But I think most of us can also experience it as um, uh, as residents, you not know, being in your house and, and maybe hearing something. Uh, so okay, so Priscilla says that she doesn't think she uh, that people realise how far sound can travel, um, especially she says in the south district when it's when the weather is westerly. So when it's poniente, then the sound sort of is brought back uh, towards the the south district. Talking about um, uh, the Camp Bay area in particular, no? uh, the Musicians Association of Gibraltar. Recently posed the question on Facebook uh, in 2001, 22 years ago, live music was played every Thursday during summer nights until midnight. What has changed in our culture? Uh, and and that got a lot of people uh, commenting. James says that he thinks a lot of people have bought properties uh, in Gibraltar, a lot of them to retire, in fact, and they're after peace and quiet. But James recognises that when he has gone to nearby places in Spain, uh, where also people might uh, buy properties to retire, there's a lot more happening. And and James thinks that Gibraltar has become a slightly depressing place in, in, in that respect. Uh, Keith says those people who made all that noise 20 years ago are now 20 years older and are more willing to complain about noise. Uh, so he thinks that's what's changed in the past 20 years. And Nick says that he does feel sorry for those people that are up at 6 o'clock in the morning and need to work and who are trying to keep their babies 
uh, asleep. So you, you get a sense for sort of you know people's comments on on, on this issue, and, and I'm sure that uh, you see it both ways. But you guys are what both in your twenties, so is it, so you you sort of are at a stage now where where you you want to go out and you want to uh, be able to. Uh, socialize uh, listen to your favorite dj uh, maybe play i don't know if you guys are, are djs yourself but uh, tell us a little bit about your perspective and how you see this this difficult issue where we live in a small place but also people need to have fun well that's just it it's a small place we need to be tolerant to, to everyone to the people that you know work will have uh, uh, children um want to get their sleep um and also the younger generation who want to enjoy themselves and have a good time. Um, I know events tend to happen on a weekend, Friday and Saturday, weekly, maybe might even skip a week and it'll be two weeks that there hasn't been an event. You know, the same as us, we have to respect them, they have to respect us, it's not, um, you know, we're only young ones and um, we try very hard to keep the noise down and respect others. We've done that in events in Ocean Village we are um, understandable. We yeah. we do. Um, we in the past we have had some noise complaints and we have, you know, we've worked taken it on board it, and we've worked around it. We've lowered the volume. We've we've had to yeah. lower this. Look, you know, we. It's. It, I mean, I must say as well, like uh, somebody who has been involved in events in the past, but has also now gone to events more recently. Now that I'm a little bit older, uh, and sometimes I do think like this is a great event, but the music doesn't need to be so loud. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, so. and we've heard. No, it's easy. No, sometimes for the sort of uh, loudspeakers. We even, we even to... speak to our. The, we also have like a sort of like a sound technician that sets up with us in the day, and they they do checks and they don't. We we, at least from what we do, I'm more involved in the sound side of things. We don't pass a certain uh, threshold. We keep yeah. within uh, regulations. So we, yeah, we try to do our bit. I can understand. There's some it noise does travel, and we might upset. Or it might upset some people, but I mean, we try to do our bit as well. It's yeah, sort of and and, and and it's not um, as I said, like this happens a lot, and it's a, it's a, it's like an ongoing conversation that Gibraltar is having. So, for example, like just last week at the fair, uh, we had uh, the Gibraltar Hearing Issues and Tinnitus Association sat here, telling us that uh, they'd taken their own readings at some of the rides, and they thought that um, that they were dangerously loud, and uh, and they just wanted to warn people that even just two minutes of music being too loud can have have like a permanent uh, effect on on your hearing and of course if if you love music the last thing that you want is not to be able to hear it properly um as you grow older no so it, it is one of those where you want it to be loud enough that there's ambiente yeah. but not so loud that not unnecessarily loud and, and hurting people's ears and uh, i don't know if it happens anymore but definitely as i say when i used to go out uh, sometimes you'd wake up in the morning and your ears would be buzzing and you'd think oh this is this is not good still happens still happens yeah as i mean that that's a sure sign that that you probably pushed it a little bit too far uh, maybe as an individual or you've had a good time yeah, i'm sure you've had a good time as well but uh, but maybe you spent too too much time too close to to a speaker no for example like one like uh, if you're right next to a speaker the music would be a lot louder than if you're 20 meters yeah. away Okay, yeah. gents, what's next for Hot Cocoa then? What have you got uh, lined up? We have something uh, small uh, coming up around just before Christmas time. And we've been discussing some things next year, but um, we're still on the early stages of that. So so you, you're looking to plan further events. You've taken this experience at um, a Camp Bay and you're going to sort of learn from it, no? Oh, definitely. Yeah. You have to. That's yeah, the only way to. to go forward, to grow, yeah. you know? 
um, learn from every mistake and try to be better and try to because we give a service um, I don't want to say service but we try to pro provide music and events as well for people you know our friends and you know friends and friends you know we want to give a good experience to everyone who comes to one of our events so we want to want to make sure that everything is the best that it can be and we can only do that by learning from the mistakes thanks for listening to those highlights from gibraltar today i'm kelly and borge the show's producer we're live on radio gibraltar monday to friday from one to two getting behind the headlines and you can catch up here whenever you like until next time have a good one gbc podcasts Local voices on demand.